In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We often focus a lot on Jesus himself, on Jesus walking and talking and teaching and healing and preaching and all of that good stuff. The gospel's stories are really where we often anchor our sermons and our teachings, and that's a good thing. Jesus, he's great. But Jesus is not the end of the story. See, Jesus came to get a ball rolling, to really inspire people to live differently, to do differently in the world. And today we hear one of those interesting stories from the Acts of the Apostles about the way in which Jesus' first followers' lives were changed because of him, because of his spirit, because of the commitment they made to follow him. God is not done with people who choose to follow. There is a moment in which most people say, you know, Jesus is probably real. God is really calling me. I need to do something about this. But that's just the beginning of the story. I talk often about how baptism is just the start of a journey. That's where we begin. And then we make a choice every day, every week, every month to continue to follow after God. God is not done with us. And these next few weeks of this Easter season, on our way to Pentecost, we're going to look at the way in which God's not done with the early followers and how God is not done with you and me either. A little bit of background about the reading we just heard from Acts of the Apostles. See, Jesus came, he taught and healed, and he died and he resurrected, and then he ascended. He was physically gone from the presence of those first disciples, and so they began to do the stuff that they thought made sense. They received the Spirit, they went out and they started teaching, and some of them even healing themselves. And today we hear a story about Peter, Peter, that rock, Peter, that first among equals of the apostles. Peter is trying to figure out Who can follow Jesus? Now, this was a very valid kind of question to ask because, you see, Jesus fulfilled the messianic promise of the Jewish people. In other words, Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. So now Jews following Jesus made sense, but what about the people who weren't Jewish? Could a non-Jew follow Jesus? Or did they have to actually become Jewish to then follow Jesus? And they wrestled with this idea that made such good sense And they finally, one by one, were convinced, no, you did not have to be Jewish to follow Jesus. Jesus came for every person. And in today's reading from Acts, we hear a weird story that Peter recounts. Peter has this vision. And the vision is a sheet comes down from heaven, and filling the sheet are all kinds of animals. And then Peter hears a voice that says, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. Okay, so put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's having this vision, very weird. There's some animals in a sheet coming out of the sky. And a voice, disembodied voice says, hey, Peter, go and eat those animals. Peter, as a good Jewish man, responded to the disembodied voice. Well, I can't eat that stuff. It's unclean. And the voice says, whatever I have made clean is clean, period. And in that moment, Peter realizes that all the stuff that really made him Jewish, although important, does not limit his capacity to follow Jesus. People do not have to actually follow all the Jewish rules in order to follow Jesus as their own savior, to relate to God through this new path. And immediately Peter is called to go see a Roman centurion. And this centurion, not Jewish, 
is interested in hearing about this person, Jesus. And as Peter is telling the story, the Holy Spirit falls on the entire household. These Gentiles, these non-Jews receive the Spirit because they've heard about Jesus. And Peter is stunned. And what is most interesting is that all of that happened in the chapter before the chapter we heard today. What we heard today is a recounting of that story a chapter ago. Now, I need you to know that these people writing stories that became Bible verses and chapters and books were not using a computer. They were writing on papyrus or skins, and there was a limited amount of space. And so if a story is repeated, that story is important. And today we get that entire story repeated, which should tell us something about this matters deeply. See, God was not done, even with Peter. And that means God is not done with us. God continues to do amazing things through the Spirit right now. God is still at work. It is not frozen. God's efforts are not frozen in time 2,000 years ago. God is still here among us, talking to us, pushing us, nudging us, trying to get our attention to break through in the world that we have created, in the world that often brings us such stress and pain and frustration. There are a lot of people in the pews right now who really commit to following Jesus, who make a choice every day to do and to be really Christ followers in the world. But there are definitely people in these pews right here who've not actually made that commitment. Jesus sounds good, all this sounds fine, but not really a commitment. And not to even mention the people outside these walls who are seeking after something, chasing after some rabbit and working really hard to do so only to find that whatever they're chasing is never going to fulfill them as deeply as God's fulfillment will be inside their souls. We know that there is a truth in what Jesus reveals of God and now we are the ones who are invited to follow, but not a one of us is done on this journey. Every one of us is on this continuum and we can move ever so slightly, little by little, closer and closer to God when we follow Christ. A little while ago, I read a story about a young woman named Aisha Ash. And Aisha grew up in a, an under-resourced area of Rochester, New York. Rochester, I mean, growing up in Rochester is bad enough. You're gonna be in an unresourced, ooh, that was like a Yankee burn. Did you hear that? I know, I saw, I saw my musicians jump right up. That's right. She grew up in an under-resourced area of Rochester, New York, and she was chosen at a very early age, right before elementary school, to be part of this urban, suburban sort of trade where there were children from the under-resourced neighborhood that were taken into a more resourced neighborhood for schools that had a lot more opportunities, and she discovered dance. Specifically, she discovered ballet, and she loved it. And she started to do ballet every day at school in the after-school programs. And by the age of 13, she was accepted into the School of American Ballet, and after graduating from that school, went on to be a professional, dancing with the New York City Ballet and many other American ballet companies. And by the time she retired, she realized that most of the people she danced with did not look like her, did not come from neighborhoods like she came from, and that she had something to do to give back. 
And so she applied for and received a grant to go back into her old neighborhood and to inspire people through her own skill set of being a ballerina. She literally took photographers with her back into her old neighborhood in full ballet attire, tutu and point shoes and everything, and would literally point herself down the sidewalk in front of mismanaged yards and broken chain link fences with stray dogs running around in order to get attention from the children in the neighborhood that there were things outside their world that could inspire and change their lives. And she tells stories of how young girls would run up to her and want to pull on her tutu. Boys and girls would want to walk on their toes alongside with her. And she would show them poses and then she would post all these pictures online and the response was incredible. But what surprised her was that not only did the children love to see her costumes, but it was the adults who wrote to her inspired by what she did. She, remind, she said in one interview that she was expecting the young girls to love her costumes, but she did not expect adult women to email her over and over and over again, saying the images brought them to tears because of the dreams they once had that they lost. What we do here in this space is remember what God is trying to give us, to remember the hopes and the dreams that we have for our lives because life is so heavy and hard. All of us are hustling in some way to keep up. All of us are chasing those dreams. Here, here we are reminded that we can do more than just try to stay afloat, to try to get a leg up, to try and achieve something the world tells us is valuable. Here, here we can find hope. Here God is trying to shake us and to get our attention for us to see that there is more than what we see right in front of us. There is a hopefulness about who we can be and what we can do in this world. Hope that what we see is not all there is. Hope that we have a deep purpose and hope that through that purpose, we can actually make a difference. No matter where we are on our journey, no matter what weighs us down or stresses or scares us, God is trying to get our attention and God is trying to give us new hope. God is not done with you and God is not done with me. Following Jesus takes a choice every day, every week, every month, all of our lives. And when we make that choice, when we choose to follow Christ, we will find a depth of fulfillment and purpose beyond anything we can imagine. We find that together here. And I hope that over these next few weeks, we can all be reminded again and again, God is not done, not done with you. Amen.